2: What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man.
0: The gospel never tells us something to do. The gospel tells us about something that's been done.
2: Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp and Rachel Miller, my co-host, is here. And we're having a returning Yes, We have Pastor John Fonville with us, and we're going to be talking about his newish book, um, Hope and Holiness, How the Gospel Enables and Empowers Sexual Purity. John serves as the rector and is the founder and church planter of Paramount Church in Jacksonville, Florida. He's ordained in the Anglican Church of North America John and his wife, Catherine, have six kids, and you can also find John on his radio show, Him We Proclaim, and his podcast, Him We Proclaim Podcast, and I will link all of that on the episode notes. He's got a lot of sermons out there and a lot lot of great audio. So, John, why don't you tell us why you wrote this book?
1: I wrote this book because parishioners who were coming to me, they were struggling, and they said, John, we've just We've tried everything, nothing works. And so I would sit down and I would take them to First Corinthians chapter six. And I would say, I would ask them this question that the Apostle Paul asks, which is this he says, I would ask them this question. Do you not know? And they would look at me strange and go, well, What are you talking about? I said, listen to the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says here. And I would take them through 1 Corinthians 6. And the Apostle Paul would constantly bring back this question, do you not know? What he was talking about was the fact that these Christians who were struggling in Corinth, these men who were visiting prostitutes, which is unthinkable, he says, look, there is a disconnect between uh, what what you're doing and what you don't know. He says, what you don't know is the gospel. And what the apostle does is, is, he says, look, obviously, the unrighteous don't inherit the kingdom of God. You can't live like this now that you're in Christ. He says, but this is your problem you have forgotten who you are in christ and so he uh, the apostle paul begins to walk the corinthian church the rude different aspects of 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 the gospel and he says this is exactly what you uh, have to, uh, have to know to, to be empowered uh to keep God's law. And this is what you oh no. But so oh, when I would visit with these parishioners and I would talk to them, I would just walk them through this passage. And when we would get to the end of the passage, it was the same result every time. Think, oh wow, nobody's ever shared this before. I, I've never heard this before. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's our problem. But but what happened was as they began to um be exposed and to come to a knowledge of who they are in Christ and the different aspects of the gospel, you could just see their their whole perspective changed and they they had hope for the first time, and significantly, they actually began to pursue and practice holiness because this is what the gospel does it as Paul says it is the power of God for salvation and that's the whole package that's just not initial conversion but that's the power not just to be justified but also to be sanctified and so that's that's uh, that's the background of what I wrote in my book
0: now well, you kind of already discussed it a little bit in what you just just described but what does the title hope and holiness mean?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Like what I was just, I was just saying, for example, um, the different stories that I discussed throughout the book, each person who came to me lacked hope because they had had such intense struggles with this particular type of sin because it is very enslaving. But, but they didn't have hope. Purpose of the title of the book is to tell people, yes, you're struggling. Yes, it's difficult, but there's hope. You don't have to be a slave to this sin. You can be freed. Not just this sin, but any sin, but particularly this sin. And so that's the first part is um, believers have to have hope. But the second part is is holiness, and holiness is simply uh, keeping God's commandments. It's what the Apostle Paul talks about here in 1 Corinthians 6. He says we are to glorify God with our bodies. He says we are to flee sexual immorality. Well, the question is, okay, I understand that. Yes, that's what I'm called to do, but how do I do that? That's the big question. What is it that empowers me to actually do that, to, to, to pursue holiness? And that's what the book is about. It's about how the gospel both enables and empowers sexual purity. It gives us both hope and holiness.
2: You know, I one of the things I wanted to point our listeners to is the first episode that we did with you which I think is still in our top 10 most listened to episodes that was before Rachel was here but it was on lordship salvation. I think that that conversation is important to this one. Um you told your story and really understanding the gospel So I'm going to link that in the episode notes. So one of the things you write is all the problems and imperfections that we experience are failures to be conformed to the gospel. Can you talk about what that means? And I know that you focus a lot just on the gospel itself, because I think that's kind of the foundation to the, the whole point that you're trying to make.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's a that's actually a great quote from Graham Goldsworthy. <laughs> um, but the the point is the point that um, he he's trying to make is is this is the point that the Apostle Paul is making when Paul when when the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian Church, uh, he, he he understood that it was. It was a mess, but what, what the Apostle Paul didn't do was just give them lists, practical lists to do things to clean up their act. What, what, he gave, what he gave them was massive amounts of different aspects of the gospel or the fruit of the gospel. Let me just give you an example. If, if, if you look at 1 Corinthians 6 and look what the Apostle Paul gave to the Corinthians to clean up their mess, he takes them through chapter 6 and he first introduces them to the doctrine of adoption, the highest blessing of the gospel. Next, he takes them to the doctrine of regeneration, which is the creation of the gospel. That's the foundation of Christian ethics. Next, he takes them to definitive sanctification, the doctrine of election, the purpose of the gospel. Then he takes them to justification, which which is the fundamental blessing of the gospel. Then he takes them to the doctrine of resurrection, the hope of the gospel. Then he takes them to the doctrine of union with Christ, which is the apex of the gospel. Then he takes them to, be, to the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is the fruit of the gospel. <clears throat> and then he finishes with the doctrine of redemption, which is the heart of the gospel. And so he takes these different aspects of the gospel and he applies it to these Corinthian men who were living very licentious uh, uh, sexual lives, and he's and look, guys, you have to cut this out, but it's not just cut it out, but it is, you can't do this because these are the things that you don't know that are true about you, who you are in Christ now. Uh, so, for example, if the doctrine of justification was meant to be a uh, license to sin, I don't think the apostle Paul would have included that in his list in 1 Corinthians 6 to propel them to motivate these Corinthians to actually live a life. And so this is what that quote is about our failure to be conformed to these glorious truths that are given to us in Christ, given to us in this gospel message. Uh, We have this great disconnect. Uh, What happens is is we don't have motivation to actually pursue what God calls us to do. And that's the intent of that, uh, that quote.
0: Um, I wanted to add my note to to Colleen's earlier that I really enjoyed the book. In fact, I uh, endorsed the book. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. It's a, a great read, a very encouraging read. I love how you focus on the gospel. I love the way you use the First Corinthians passage as kind of the backbone outline for the for your um, encouragement and for your um, your your format for the book. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask, and I know, this is a question that pops up a lot in these discussions. So, if we're Christians, since we're Christians, why do we still struggle with sexual sin?
1: yeah, that's 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 a great, great question. and I actually devote an entire chapter to that question: Why do Christians struggle uh, um, well the 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 brief answer is is because of what. Luther taught it, Reformation. Christians are at the same time righteous yet sinful. We are justified yet we are not yet glorified. Uh, we still have remnants of sin left in us. This flesh, this old Adam that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter five, verse 17, where he, he says that the, the, the spirit has these desires that buck heads with the flesh that has desires, uh, and so that he says it keeps us from doing the things that we ought to do, that we want to do. So that's the short answer is that Christians, though they're justified, they're not yet glorified, and so we have this struggle. But, but what I talk about in that chapter is this, is that, there, there are two things that I share with believers about that uh reality. The first is this is that if you have this intense struggle, this is the ironic thing. You can actually take comfort. And when I share that with believers who are struggling, they say, Well, John, how you know, I mean, I'm just battling and I'm I feel horrible when I sin and all this, and I said exactly that's why you should be comforted because that is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working within you to make you hate your sin. Uh, so I said, look, you can be comforted by that, but then I also take them to uh, Galatians five verse twenty four, and what the Apostle Paul says, and there is this: he says that those who belong to Christ Jesus. Have crucified their flesh, and so what the apostle Paul is saying is this is that, uh, in verse 17, yes, you have this great struggle, yes, you have these fleshly desires, these sinful desires that war against you, and and what happens is, is sometimes believers in the midst of this struggle this battle think oh gosh i'm just never going to have victory i i can't overcome and the apostle paul says in verse 24 that christ 2000 years ago has taken those fleshly desires and crucified them you are crucified with christ and those desires have been crucified with Christ. And so the Apostle Paul says that the gospel not your flesh, not your fallen desires, but this gospel, it has the last word for your life. And that's where the hope comes from because if we don't have hope, we can't actually fight. Um and so that that's that's the sh- short answer is that, yeah, we Christian sin, and I, and I think uh you know first John he clearly says, Christian sin, and sometimes Christian sin very bad, but this <clears throat> this is the hope that we have, John says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. And so we have to keep coming back to this. And this is what Paul keeps bringing back to the believers in Corinth and what he keeps bringing back to us again and again and again.
2: It is kind of like that in the Christian life, going back to it again and again and again. Um, You talk about the kingdom of God. So what's the connection in this discussion?
1: Great, great, uh, great question. Well, the apostle Paul, again, in the context, he is talking about who gets in and who doesn't get in to God's kingdom. Um, and basically what he's saying is, is that those, those who are unrepentant, those who lack repentance, they don't get in. It's it's very simple, but he says those who are trusting in Christ, those who have been set apart by God for God, those who have been justified, those who have been sanctified, um, those who have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, they they've been changed, he says, but such were some of you, but you have been washed, you have been justified, sanctified. And so Paul is talking about. The, the the doctrine of the kingdom of God, which is basically this, it's God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. And Paul says that those who are in God's kingdom because of the work of Christ, he says, but such were some of you, you have been changed, you have been brought into Christ. And he says look now that you've been brought into God's kingdom uh he says you have to understand that there's an ethic that constitutes God's kingdom that is far different from the kingdom from which you were saved from uh Corinth this 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 licentious city of Corinth was a different ethical kingdom but Paul has such were some of you but now Christ has brought you into his kingdom. And he says, because of that, these are these are the truths that you have to know so that you can live differently and conform to the ethics of God's
0: kingdom. Thank you for that. That's such good reminders uh, of who we are and whose we are. Um and you know, along those lines, what can we learn from what the Bible says that our bodies are not our own, that we are the body of Christ, that we are united to Christ?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. This this is so important. I have a whole section that I devote my book to the, uh, really, it's a theology of the body, because that's what the Apostle Paul gives to the Corinthians. Uh, here's an example. He says, he says to these men, again, this is an unthinkable thing that these men were visiting prostitutes because that's the sin that he was addressing in this context, prostitution. And he says to these men, he says, do you not know that if you join your body to a prostitute, you're joining Christ himself to that act? This just incredible thought when he talks about this doctrine of union with Christ. Um, and so we see that because the believer is his, not just his soul, spirit, but his, his body, his actual or her actual physical flesh and blood body is united to Christ that what we do in our physical bodies is also a spiritual act. And Paul says, you can't take Christ and join Christ to a prostitute. I can't think of uh, a more powerful visual that can serve as a, um, a way to make you pursue holiness than that. I because you can't imagine any Christian saying, "Well, I, well, I would never join Christ to a prostitute. Or I would never join Christ to pornography. I would never join Christ to um an extramarital uh, affair or anything like that." Of course, you wouldn't. And that's Paul's point. Uh, so close is this union of our bodies with with Christ Himself. Uh, for example, in Acts nine, when the Apostle Paul was. Uh, going to kill Christians, persecute Christians. Jesus comes to him on the Damascus Road, the risen Christ, and he says to him, "Also, oh, so, why are you persecuting me?" A such interesting question that he asked the Apostle Paul, because Paul was persecuting Christians. And the point is, is that there is this, 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 this close union. But Christ the believer, then what we do with our actual physical bodies, we take Christ in that act. That's the first thing that Paul talks about. And the other thing that Paul does to emphasize the importance of the body is he talks about resurrection. Um, uh, up until my book, I had n- never read a book and I scoured the bookshelves to find it and it wasn't there, I had never read a book that emphasized the doctrine of resurrection for sexual purity. But this is exactly what the Apostle Paul does with the Corinthian church. He tells him, he says, look, do you not know that your physical body is going to be destined for resurrection? Your your physical body has a glorious future. And so what you do with it now matters for eternity. And so if your body is destined for glory, he says in Philippians three, that your body will be just like Christ's glorified body. He says that changes your ethic now. The, 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 the future ethic of God's kingdom and the new creation should c- come and influence how we conduct ourselves now in this time in the, in our bodies now. <clears throat> so the apostle Paul he emphasizes the 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 physical body. But then he continues as the passage goes and he talks about how our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit so he has this whole temple theology that he brings in and of course the 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 city of Corinth, the Corinthian Christians they were surrounded by temples. they got it. But what the Apostle Paul was saying was was what a, out of all these temples in Corinth, you're the true temple, the church, your body, As a church corporately and as a Christian individually, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the sacred dwelling place of God. And so you cannot, you can't uh, take the sacred dwelling place of God and, and mar it by this sexual immorality of visiting prostitutes. Because this, uh, your body is the, the temple of the Holy Spirit who has come to dwell in you, which is the fruit of the gospel. And so the apostle Paul just, he just walks these believers through these fundamental, uh, gospel truths to produce holiness in their life. And, uh, that's what I've done with, uh, the people who I counsel who struggle with these issues. I, I take these, uh, great gospel truths and I say these are the things you don't know, but let's, let's start to learn them. Let's start to implement them into your life. And you can just watch. The, the the Holy Spirit take the gospel, which Paul says is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. He describes the gospel as the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And you can just see the Holy Spirit begin to take this gospel truth and uh, he affects change in the people's lives who awaken to these, uh, these wonderful truths.
2: So, John, the, we're surrounded by sexual immorality today. Pornography is very, very easy to access, and so many people struggling with that or struggling with other sexual sins. What hope or encouragement can you give to those people?
1: Now, that's actually what my whole book is for. <laughs> its It's... T-
2: so read the book that's yeah. your
1: encouragement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get the book. Get the book today. Um but but seriously, that that's why I wrote the book because as I as I shared at the beginning every single person who has ever come to me they're hopeless. Because they've tried everything. They have, as I said, they've snapped the rubber band a million times on their wrist. They have taken cold showers. They have gone out to run a marathon sort of of sorts, you know, three or five miles, but it might feel like that. But they they've done they've done it. They've followed it. They had the accountability groups. They've had the filters, they've had the software, they've had everything. But they haven't been given the hope um, because they haven't been given the gospel, which which the gospel brings the double benefit of Christ. It brings justification, salvation from our guilt. It brings the benefit of sanctification, salvation from the power of sin. But so often we trust Christ for the salvation from our guilt of sin for justification, but we don't—let me say it like this—we're not taught to trust Christ to save us from the power of our sin, which is sanctification. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us through the gospel, uh, and yes— he, Uses God's law. He uses the law. He, it, the Holy Spirit takes God's law, reveals our sin to us, leads us to the gospel to show us our forgiveness, our acceptance. Then he leads us back to God's law as an expression of gratitude, not as a do this, live or else, but just as a guide. And what has happened is so many believers. They just haven't been given these truths. They, they, don't, they don't know. And so I, I explain it like this to uh, people, and I have this in uh, the last chapter of my book. Um, uh, he, uh, we'll just say it like this. So you have great ships here in Florida. We have big naval stations here uh, right off the coast. Uh we can often see great big huge naval vessels going up and down the coast. These great big ships have the greatest GPS systems that have ever been known, right? I mean, they're just they're 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 first-class GPS systems. But those GPS systems which tell those ships go this direction, settle in this direction, avoid the storm. Uh, you know, go out to sea and bypass the hurricane, whatever it does, whatever happens. Um, those GPS systems, as great as the directions are, they don't provide the actual power to actually sail in that direction. Because these ships have to have an engine, right? With a propeller that propels them the water to go in the right direction, but what has happened with with so many believers, which is why they don't have hope, is they're const they're they're just constantly given GPS directions. These directions might be great advice, might be full of wisdom. Uh, just super great advice, but advice is just that, advice. It's not gospel. It's not good news, and the gospel isn't advice. The gospel is an announcement of good news that provides the power. It's the engine that propels us through the waters of life to help us keep God's law and to pursue holiness. And so what happens is, is when when uh, these believers who have lost hope and they have given up, I come to them and I say, look, you you've been given this great advice. That advice raised expectations that you couldn't meet. And when you couldn't meet them, what happened? You felt more guilt. Oh, there's a better way. There's a better solution. It's called the gospel. And then I just ask them these questions. Do you not know that you've been justified? Do you not know that you've been sanctified? Do you not know that your body is united to Christ? And so I just walk them through these passages. And you can almost see just immediate change where they didn't have hope when they first came. Now they begin for the first time to have hope. And with that hope, they're propelled with 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 uh, desires to obey and to pursue holiness.
0: I, it's so encouraging, and I appreciate very much you being on and talking to us about this. It's a, a topic that's near and dear to more of us than, than like to share uh, about our struggles, but uh, I was thinking as you were talking about that passage uh, in that very end about, you know, beginning, um, we, we understand our justification is from the Spirit, but we get messed up about our sanctification. And I was thinking of what Paul says in um, Galatians about, <clears throat> you know, did you think you started with the Spirit and now you're going to finish under your own steam? And I think too often we fall into that uh, just like you said. And so, I just wanted to encourage people, again, that it's always about looking to the gospel, not just for how we get right with God, but how we grow and how we are sanctified. John, I'm going to link the
2: the book in our episode notes and our other episode with you. And also, um, you have a lot of sermons at your church website, and uh, we encourage people to go buy the book. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me today.